Welcome to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. For more details, check out faithcc.com.au. We hope you enjoy this message. We're going to pray this morning. We're going to just pray that God will really speak to us out of His Word. I really believe that I've got a word from God just for, for you this morning. And come on, who knows that His mercies are new every morning. God has always got something fresh for us as we open up His Word. You know, what I love about the Word of God, you can read the same passage again and again, but God will always drop something new out of His passage because His Word is a living Word. He is a living water. Amen. So we're going to pray for that. and Let's pray. Father, we thank You today. God, for your presence. Holy Spirit, I thank you that as we come around your word today, as your family, as your children, God, I thank you that today, God, that you want to speak fresh life into circumstances and things that we are facing today. God, I even pray, just pray right now again for the nation of Australia. God, I pray for the bushfires that they're having to deal with right now. We thank you, God, for rain. God, send more rain, we pray. God, we pray, send rain into some of the affected areas, we pray. God, areas, Lord God, that they have been unable to extinguish. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you would right now, God, just take this whole nation under your grip. And God, we just pray for people, even in our church right now, I know that we've prayed for this before, but people that are going through difficult seasons and challenging times, Holy Spirit, I pray, let 2020 be the year of breakthrough. God, I pray for Uni's sister right now, who's very sick in New Zealand. Father, I pray for your healing touch just to come upon her right now. Okay, I pray for people that are in different countries, God, around the world, Lord God, that we know of individually that need breakthrough. We thank you, Holy Spirit, that your presence just not only resides in this house, but we thank you, God, that your presence goes across the waters of the whole earth. God, will you pray and just come and touch these people, we pray in your wonderful name. Amen. 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 And, uh, you know, obviously this morning is the, the whole idea of connect stronger. And I want to talk to you today about a different type of connection, a different type of connection. You know, uh, I came across this article in the New York Times, and it has this picture of this jinko tree in uh, Guiji, China. And there's the jin uh, jinko tree there. Scientists say that this particular tree is a living fossil. It is the oldest surviving tree species on the earth today and they have been they've remained on the planet relatively unchanged for some 200 million years now that's they say that this particular tree is over a thousand years old it doesn't age it doesn't get sick it doesn't weary its leaves every year are as bright and healthy as what they were a thousand years ago. Come on, who would like to get some of that bark on that tree and just rub it on your face? Just rub it on your hair, you know? This tree, they say, is the world's oldest living fossil. They are survivors. They've survived some of the world's greatest catastrophes. From the extinction of the dinosaurs to the atomic bombing of Hiroshima, they just keep coming back to life. So scientists have been looking at these trees for a number of years and we've been wondering what is the secret to the youthfulness of this tree? What makes this tree so resilient and immune to aging? And one of the biologists, uh, Richard, Dixon, uh, Richard Dixon, makes the point, he says, in humans as we age, our immune system starts to slow down and break down and it's not as good at what it used to be. But uh, these trees, their immune system, even though they're a thousand years old, 
they still have the immune system of a 20-year-old tree. And he makes this point, he says, because the genes in this tree contain no program for death. They just keep continuing their program of making their immune defences as strong as what they were when they first started, even now a thousand years later. And they've done all these tests on these trees, and they said that the old trees that are over a thousand years old still produce as many seeds. Their leaves are just as resourceful as those of young trees. There's an old tree that's about 4,800 years old in Northern California called Methuselah. And they reckon that that particular tree has the same genetic pattern and the same genetic programming as some of these Jinko trees. Church, I began to think about that. I began to think about this whole idea of what these trees actually represent. You know, Jesus speaks a lot about trees in the New Testament. He speaks about plants as well. Actually, right throughout the New and the Old Testament, uh, horticultural illustrations are in abundance. The Bible often uses many examples in nature to describe the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And so Jesus begins to speak to his disciples in John chapter 15 with these type of examples about his influence in our lives and what he can actually do to actually keep us young and healthy throughout our existence. And Jesus says this about himself in John chapter 15, verse 1 to 6. He says, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it would be even more fruitful. Now, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. So, listen, he's not talking to the crowd. He's not talking to people who don't believe in him. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to people like you and I, right? People that have had a revelation of God, people that have given their lives to Christ. He's now talking about another level of discipleship. He says, you are already clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also Sorry, remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Don't you love that? It's not an option. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers and such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and they are burned. But if you remain in me, my words remain in you. Ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. For this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love that if you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I've kept my Father's commandments and remain in His love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friend. You are my friends if you do what I command. I actually love that passage right there. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends 
For everything that I've learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. You know, my dad, when he gave his life to Christ, that was the word that God spoke over him. He goes, you didn't choose me, I chose you. Right? And I pointed you so that you may go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, my father will give you. This is my commandment, love one another. What a great passage on discipleship, amen? Great passage on the way that we should treat each other. Passage on the way that we should develop healthy culture in our homes. I want you to notice that Jesus says, He is the true vine. I love that. He is the true vine. He never ages. He never has a bad day. What He produces is fresh and green as it was 2,000 years ago. He isn't just life. He is the source of life. I love the idea that there is no program of death in the life of Jesus. He defeated death. He conquered the grave. We look at the wonder of this tree that is thousands of years old, but in reality, we serve a God who created that tree. He put the genetic programming sequence into that tree so that it can live for thousands and thousands of years. And God is not asking us to connect into something that will bring death into our lives or to connect into an idea that would not bring blessing into our lives. God is saying that He's the true vine, and if you connect into Him, it is amazing what His resourcefulness will actually do in your own life. Now, I want you to notice this. It's fairly simple. He's the vine. You are not the vine. He's the vine. I know that we love being resourceful. I know that we love being productive. I know that we love that we have this sense of control, that we're doing things and making things happen for God. But I think sometimes that we can forget this salient point, that we are not the vine, He's the vine. Can I go one step further? The church is not the vine. He's the vine. Listen, if you go to church, but you are not connected with the vine, you are missing out on this credible idea of actually being connected to the very source of life and vitality that can bring blessing into your life. He says, I'm the vine, and you are the branches. I'm the vine, and you are the branches. And really, when you read this passage, you get this idea that if you want life, if you want vitality, if you want to live being fruitful and productive, then the big key is simply, very simply, our connection to Him. Now, I know this sounds really simple when you read this. I mean, when I read this passage, you know, when I first read this, it almost sounds too simple. But it's this foundational, fundamental idea that Jesus is talking to his disciples about and he's challenging them that as he goes, as he's finished his purpose here on earth, for them to maintain and strengthen their connection with him because without him, they can do nothing at all. And I guess when you read this, you begin to realize that connection with Him really determines every other connection and every other outcome in our lives. Now, there's a lot of Old Testament imagery here when Jesus is talking about the vine. He's not presenting a new concept to the disciples, or even to the listeners and the, the readers of the gospel after the, you know, the evangelist John actually wrote this particular book. Um, historically, in Jesus' time, the vine was often known as the tree of life. Some of the coins in the Maccabees have a symbol of a vine on them. There was a lot of ideas about vines and their ability to produce fruit and um, 
just bring vitality into situations. Vine language was common in relating to God's people. Israel was also known as a vine in the Old Testament. There's so many scriptures about this. Let me give you two. Hosea chapter 10, verse 1 to 2. Israel was a spreading vine. He brought forth fruit for himself. And as his fruit increased, he built more altars and his land prospered. He adorned his sacred stones. So God is saying about his people that they are a fruitful vine. But listen, their heart is deceitful and now they must bear the guilt. The Lord will demolish their altars and destroy their sacred stones. Look at this in Psalm 80, uh, verse 8 to 13. He says, you transported a vine from Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. And it took root and it filled the land. Again, a fruitful vine. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. Its branches reached as far as the sea. And it shoots as far as the river. Why have you broken down the walls? So that all who pass by pick its grapes. Boars from the forest ravage it. And insects from the fields feed on it. Again, these passages are speaking about Israel being a vine. And at the beginning... It speaks about God's people being a healthy vine, right? A vine that was fruitful, a vine that was blessed, a vine that God had anointed to stretch out into the heavens and to the earth and to have influence. But somewhere along the way, they broke their trust with God, as we know. Many times they became the wayward vine. Many times they became the out-of-control vine, the disobedient vine. And Jesus is speaking to us about himself with Old Testament imagery of what Israel were supposed to be. Church, Israel was supposed to be a fruitful vine. They were supposed to be a vine of blessing, a vine branch that would reach out and it would touch the world, a vine that was connected to heaven. And as long as they stood that connection strong, a vine that would be effective and purposeful in reaching out and declaring the goodness and the faithfulness of God. But instead, they became the broken vine, a vine that went wild. They became a vine of what not what God had intended them to be. And so when Jesus is talking to his listeners about the vine, they know exactly what he's referring to. He's talking about the history. He's talking about the importance of right connection. Listen, the significance of the true vine is what God's vine can do in your life. And that's why he says, I'm the true vine. If you stay connected to me, if you don't do what Israel did and branch off on your own and do your own thing, you don't want to live this life starting well, but ended up just things being a mess. You know, often we celebrate the start of things, you know, but I often say, you know, the Lord often is more encouraged by the end of things rather than the start of things. We start well. Let me say this. God wants you to finish as well as what you started. You started your marriage well as you walked down the aisle and you kissed each other and you pledged your love for each other forever. God wants you to finish as well as what you started. You know. And here he's giving us a key to last the distance and to continue to be fruitful throughout our whole lives. And he says, you have to be connected through the true vine. There's a couple of things that I want to notice here and then we'll pray, right? I want you to notice that often when we talk about fruitfulness, we talk about doing. We talk about effort. We talk about functioning, right? And I'm a doer, right? Many people in this church are doers. We just love to get out get our hands dirty and do. 
But I want you to notice in this passage, when Jesus refers to fruitfulness, he's not talking about doing. There is no idea about the effort that you need to bring into your world in order to be fruitful. Jesus is actually more this idea of being connected rather than actually doing. And Jesus is not talking about doing. Jesus here has a priority. He says, connect properly and then do. This passage is about being before doing. Being before doing. He's not saying to the branches, you need to go out and do a whole bunch of stuff in order to be fruitful. He's talking to his disciples about being close, being connected, being engaged, being attentive, being informed of his commandments. Listen, church, out of being comes fruitfulness. If you get this thing in the wrong way around, it's about doing, 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 and you wonder why your soul is never satisfied. You know, there are some of the most successful people that I meet in life, they're busy, 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 doing, 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 but their soul is never satisfied. You know why? Because it's not about doing, it's about being connected first. And out of that connection, you can have the satisfaction to actually start to do. And I think in this, this Western world, it, it's so much about performance. It's so much about effort. And Jesus is about to send his disciples out who are about to do a significant thing. They're about to be persecuted. They're about to build the church. They're about to establish the work that Jesus started. And Jesus says to them, get your priorities right. Don't do first, be first, and then do. Because out of connection come ideas, come revelation, come passion. Out of connection come perspective, come awareness. Out of my revelation with Jesus, out of my connection with him, come an understanding of where he's placed me in life. <laughs> a peace that surpasses all understanding. You know the word abide there means to dwell. It means to dwell. I think I've grown as a husband over the last 25, 26 years. But every now and then I get it wrong. Come on, if you're a husband here that gets it wrong, give me a wave. No one. You are just so holy, but I praise God. And, uh, you know, and, I, and sometimes I get this one wrong. You know, sometimes I get this one wrong. So we have a coffee date on our day off. And, uh, you know, when we were in Queensland... You know, every morning we go to a different cafe, just loved it, absolutely loved it. And then we're back at work and uh, I think it was yesterday, we go out for our coffee date. And I don't drink coffee anymore, so I have my peppermint tea date. <laughs> my wife loves the fact that I now drink tea because she would have five cups of tea and I'd have my little shot of coffee and then I'd be done. She says, now that you're having tea, you can drink tea with me. <laughs> so we're drinking tea together. And uh, I was starting to click into work mode and we ordered breakfast. Once breakfast is finished, I said, all right, let's go. Who knows that your wife can just drop a little comment that just changes everything? She goes, oh, the appointment's done, is it? <laughs> oh, the appointment's over. <laughs> what do you mean? Well, you're treating this like an appointment. She didn't want us to do anything. She just wanted to dwell. <laughs> just to be in the company of. 
just to be in the same proximity. Not to do, not to have an agenda, but try and get stuff done, just to dwell. If you learn to dwell this year, I'm telling you, church, you are going to be a lot more productive and a lot more fruitful in the things that God has called you to do. I think we get stressed. I think we sweat and we wonder why Christianity is so hard because I'll be honest, I think we make it hard. I think we make it about a whole bunch of things that it doesn't need to be. When we learn to dwell, when we understand that without Him we can do nothing, we understand the priority system of putting Him first, not just verbally, not just saying, yes, He's the Lord of my life, but practically dwelling in His presence, dwelling in the Word of God without an agenda, without asking for anything, without having any concern, just dwelling. It's amazing in that place of dwelling how God will speak to you, how God will give you revelation, how God will give you keys for your future just in this idea of dwelling. And Jesus says, says to his disciples, you can't do this on your own. Again, this is not a passage about doing. This is a passage about dwelling. And out of that dwelling, you can become incredibly fruitful. I think the greatest promise of fruit that we can have as Christians, when people look at us and go, how did you produce that? Because it's from God and it's not from us. The second thing that the Lord actually says here is that he goes on and he talks about pruning the tree. And I call it the dead wood, the dead wood. That in our connection with him, <clears throat> he gets rid of the dead wood in our lives. So there's this idea of pruning here that is, is, the word itself is quite a large word in the Greek. And it's a word that is kind of clearing. I don't know if you've ever seen one of those gardening shows like The Block and where they've, they've got an overgrown garden and they go in there and they just have to clear it all out and they have to, you know, stuff all the green waste bins full of rubbish and there's so much stuff that is in the back of that garden. There's this idea here that he's going into a vine that is wayward, a vine that is all twisted up, a vine that has just got stuff and bits and pieces that are unproductive and he's going in there and he's beginning to prune those branches, those branches that are all over the place, that are not producing. The gardener deals with the branches that are not bearing fruit. And he cleans up the vine. He's trimming it back to clear it up. He's got stuff all over the place. He's got branches that are twisted and locked into other branches. I don't know if we can just show this video here. We've actually got a vine on the balcony of our house. And uh, it was there uh, before uh, we moved in. And uh, I've tried to trim the vine. I've just done a terrible job of it. Now, that, that bit's okay, but you kind of get to the end and it's all mixed up together. It's all, you know, wound up together. And there are some places where the grapes aren't getting the proper sun and so forth. And we had a gardener come in and started to prune a bit of the vine. As you can see, I've tried to put some fairy lots in there. It hasn't really worked. <laughs> I put the fairy lots on there the other day and I was pruning the vine. I cut the fairy lights. So there you go. Yeah, thanks for laughing. Appreciate that. You know, a bit of dead bits here and a bit of bits there. And we had a gardener come and cleaned it up. And then I tried to do that and kind of made a bit of a mess of it. And, uh, you know, this, this vine actually needs some really, really good pruning. Like it just needs to really kind of get in there and, you know, have someone do what they know what they're doing. I don't know what I'm doing, right? But it's not just about cutting a branch off. There's twisted bits. There's kind of connections. I was trying to follow one of the vines. You know, I think I shared this last year. 
I thought what we were cutting was a branch. We actually cut one of the vines right to the core. So I lost one of the vines that I thought was a branch, wasn't a branch, it was actually a vine. Praise God, it wasn't the true vine, but it was a vine, <laughs> you know. Um, and so I don't know what I'm doing. So it looks great on the outside, but it could produce a whole lot more fruit if I knew what I was doing, right? The gardener come and he's already started to pruning a bit and we've started to get a bit more grapes. But I pray there'll be a day there'll be heaps of grapes, not because what I can do, right? Because the garden knows what he's actually doing. The reality is this, is that when it comes to God, not only are we connected with him, but we have to allow him to prune our lives, you know. And not just the things that are unproductive, the things that are connected in the wrong place. You know, one of the, just a little side note of what I thought as I was preparing for this, I think there are some of us here, we have so many connections and we're treating our God's connection with us the same as all the other connections in our lives. Maybe it's a year that we start to prune back some of the connections so that he can be the ultimate connection. I'm not talking about isolating yourself, but I'm saying that we're so connected to so many different things, doing so many different things that we actually don't understand of the value of true connections that are gonna bring blessing and favor into our lives. I want you to notice that Jesus doesn't say that God asks for our permission to prune us. He doesn't need our permission. He just does it. He just does it. All of a sudden, you go through a scenario that you didn't expect. You go, I'm going to deal with that issue. God is pruning you. All of a sudden, you go through a, a circumstance that is quite challenging for you personally. Can I challenge you this year, rather than actually looking at it being, well, God has left me and where's God? Maybe God is doing some force pruning in you because he actually wants to produce something of great value and favor over your life. Jesus doesn't ask us. He says, you're already clean. You're already in the family. Let me tell you what the Father's gonna do. What you need to do is you need to be connected. But when you are connected, let me tell you what is gonna happen. What's gonna happen is that the Father is gonna prune you, right? He prunes the branches that bear fruit so they bear more fruit, and he prunes the branches that don't bear fruit because he wants to get rid of them. So what I realized this is that all of us we are all gonna get cut in 2020. <laughs> We're all gonna get a chop. We're all gonna get pruned. It's gonna happen. He's not gonna ask for our permission. He's just gonna to start to do it. And the question that I have for you this morning, do you trust God with these? Do you trust God with these to give you the snip in 2020? <laughs> Do you trust him to get in there, to cut some of those unproductive branches? Do you trust him when you think you're doing so well and he goes, oh, just do a bit of that. Don't touch that bit. Oh, thank you very much. I'll take that one. Do you trust him with the pruning shears of your life. Let's be honest, we wouldn't trust a lot of people with these, right? Don't trust me with these. I'm gonna make a mess of it. But do you trust God with these? Do you trust God with these? Psalm 3 verse 5 to 8 says, Trust in the Lord with all of your heart <clears throat> and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him 
and he will make your paths straight. It actually means in the Greek, he will, in the Hebrew, it means that he will level out your paths. So maybe your paths at the moment are a bit all over the place. As you trust in God, you don't need to worry about leveling out your path. He will level out the path for you. Right? In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. I love this. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Listen, again, the eternal vine, the vine that never ages. I want the musicians to come. The vine that is always there. Its leaves are as fresh today as what it was 2,000 years ago. We serve a God who does not have the sequence of death in his system. We serve a God who conquered death. And he says again in this particular passage, it will bring life into your bones. It will bring nourishment into your body. It will revitalize you as you stay connected to him. Don't trust in yourself, trust in him more. You know. <clears throat> will you trust him today? Will you trust Him today with the process of pruning in your own life? Will you trust that God actually knows what He's doing? Will you trust that no matter what this year holds, that you understand that God knows better than you? That you're not gonna lean on your own understanding when you don't know? Go, God, I don't know, but you know. I don't know why I'm going through this, but you do. I'm not gonna lean on what I know, I'm gonna lean on who you are. Will you trust Him with the pruning process? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast from Faith Christian Church. To stay up to date, check us out at our website, faithcc.com.au.